I'm Dee Brown, CEO, and welcome to this episode of HBCU. I have a group of distinguished guests with me today. I have Marlon Cummins, Alexandra Cummins, and John Grant joining me on remote. Welcome to HBCU. Thank, Thank you. you. So Thank let's start you. the show by allowing our viewers to know really who you are. So I want you to start off by just introducing yourself. So Ale Alexandra, ladies first. All right, awesome. I am Alexandria Cummings, uh, and I um, am from Chicago, Illinois, a graduate of the Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee. And presently I'm employed, I'm a director of uh, financial inclusion and housing for YWCA Metropolitan Chicago. Marlon. Hi, Dr. Marlon Cummings, uh, Associate Professor at Governor State University. I also direct our Interdisciplinary Leadership Doctorate Program. I am a proud graduate of Florida Agricultural Mechanical U University in Tallahassee, Florida, and um, very happy to be here. Absolutely. And last but not least, John. Hi, I'm John Grant uh, with ESPN Events. I'm the Executive Director for the Cricket Miak Swag Challenge and the Cricket Celebration Bowl a proud graduate of North Carolina A&T State University from North Carolina. Hey, look, I'm happy to have each of you on the show today. And so I'd like to always start the show off by allowing you all to talk about, number one, how did you make your HBCU selection? So talk to me, Alexandria, how did you end up at Fisk University? So, well, first of all, my brother is an alum of Fisk University, so that made it very easy. Um, and when I was, uh, Thinking about making my high school decision, I looked at larger universities, predominantly white universities, and being from Chicago, there are so many universities to choose from. Um, but when I went there, I didn't see, I saw very many people that looked like me. And the schools were very large and it just didn't feel like it was the place for me. Uh, but once I toured the campus of Fisk University, you know how you just feel something? Yeah. Um, there was this sense that of belonging and knowing that, you know, this is where I was supposed to be and I was in love with Fisk ever since. Okay, so John, talk to me about North Carolina A&T. How did you make the decision to make North Carolina A&T your HBCU? Well, my story is, is probably not different from most people. Um, I actually, our, my Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Adams, who was a graduate from St. Augustine, used to bring brochures to our Sunday school class because my parents didn't graduate college. I mean, didn't, didn't go to college, nor did they finish high school. So I grew up in a rural part of North Carolina on a farm. And so Mrs. Adams would bring brochures and talk to us, the kids in Sunday school, about, about college. Uh, I actually selected A&T from a brochure. <laughs> I never attended the campus, never did any campus visits, just looked at the brochure and decided, you know what, I wanted to be um, an engineer. And so that's how, you know, that decision came about. But one of the greatest decisions I ever made, so all the credit goes to this dedicated uh, woman who was, again, my Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Adams. So Marlon, talk to me about Florida A&M. Yeah, so my choice to going for Florida A&M was really about looking at, so in, in high school I was in a band and I was looking yeah. for a great band to go to. My mother is, uh, is a graduate of uh, HBCU. She went to Al uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh -huh. And so my brother was also, uh, uh, had uh, attended Alabama A&M. So that history, their background, their kind of push, like, uh, we know you want to go to school, you should go to HBCU because the history was there with my mm -hmm. family. But also, I knew I wanted to go to the best band in the land. And yeah. so uh, I went to Florida Agriculture Mechanical. So, so. so we're all in agreement there? Oh, uh -huh. 
Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, was a, I, I wasn't originally a music major. I was an engineering major. Okay. So I ended up not sticking with the band for very long because if you are in the band at HBCU, as we know, you right. have to be serious about it and, right. and you mm-hmm. have to be dedicated to it. And most of the folks in there were music majors. And so I ended up not sticking with it. But the experience I got there, the love I got there, the sense of community that I got at Florida A&M, that's, right. that's why I went there. And that's what, that's what kept me And there. what's the name of the band there? The Marching? Marching 100. The Marching 100. Right. Okay, all right. The best band in the land the is band. It's undisputed, right? Undisputed. Oh, Fifth doesn't have uh, a band, but if we did. <laughs> well, you got the you know, those of us that with the marching blue and gold might challenge that, but I will tell you, Florida A&M does have a very, very prestigious band program. So, so John, do me a favor. Talk to me about the first day that you set foot on North Carolina A&T campus. Do you recall that day? I do. Um, and I tell this story often. Uh, so, you know, not having been to the campus, went there sight unseen, my parents um, took me there, um, gave me a, a quilt that was handmade by my grandmother, um, got me set up in the dormitory. Uh, I remember my father gave me a few dollars and, and their advice as they drove off to me was, son, just don't get into any trouble. Um, and you know, and left. And so, um, you know, I was there on this, this campus and just decided to, to explore um, walking around and actually ended up making friends. Um, the first day made a friend that, that, you know, was also, he was from Washington, DC, just a, another kid that I met and we became fast friends and we just, it started from there, but, you know, it became a safe place for me because of my counselor, uh, professors who always, you know, instilled in us the, our ability to succeed, but more importantly, the desire that they say we will not let you fail. Right. And so that um, is a day I never forget. And it's a story that I often tell um, about uh, and one that's humbling for me because it, it just exemplifies what HBCUs are really all about to me. Right. right. So, uh, Alexandra, talk to me about your freshman year at Fisk University. Ooh, so it seems we, I just had my 20-year uh, class reunion a little while ago. Um, but freshman, well, I'll say when I first got there, I was excited, yeah. but I was also terrified because it was my first time being away from home. And I remember uh, my family dropped me off for orientation, and I think I cried the whole week <laughs> because I was happy to be at school. And I'll never forget it. One of the um, professors there, um, Dr. Roosevelt Faulkner, um, was like, you know, what's going on, right? Because when you're at an HBCU, it is a family environment. And right. so the faculty, staff, they treat you as their, as their child. And uh, right. Dr. Faulkner said, girl, you got to get it together. <laughs> and I did. And from there, you know, I started like, uh, you know, broke out of my shell a little bit. Yeah. I started making new friends. Um, I wrote for the um, the yearbook at that time. So my freshman year was really amazing, um, being away from home, really having the opportunity to grow and be nurtured in a safe environment. And that's right. really what HBCUs provide, a right. safe environment for you to grow and thrive and also make mistakes, right? Because we all do that when we're trying to figure things out. Yeah. yeah. So Marlon, give me some memorable moments from Florida A&M 
You know, I just remember the the sense of community that was there. Yeah. So there, it's it's a bit of a melting pot, right? When you go to Florida and M or really any HBCU, there are folks that are coming in from all different kinds of cities. But there were also I'm originally from St. Louis. There was a group from St. Louis there, and it felt like. I found that community and then within that community found other groups that I felt connected to and just never felt that sense of I'm out here by myself. I'm doing this alone. And I think that that was the greatest thing. Some of the the great moments that I remember or like leaving out and everybody's done with class or thinking about Fridays on the set. That was was the time. (laughs) Fridays on the set. We would, um, you know, you know, Mike leave that class a little early, that yeah. midday class, <laughs> and just sit out and hang out. And we would just be out and would just be people that were, the Greeks were out there. People were just, the music was going. It was just so much um, just togetherness, community, um, inter- interaction, just be feeling like I had a space where I could be me. Right. And just the diversity of black people, yeah, black yeah. experience. Yeah. Those are the things that I really remember going, meeting people from South Florida or from California or from, you know, uh, you know, Washington State and just all of the diversity of blackness that was there. Yeah. That's what I love because I you in no matter who you are, what you are, you could find your space at at HBCU. And that's something that's really just powerful for me. And and that's really what I remember the most, that opportunity to always be out and find my people. Yeah. So, John, uh, at North Carolina A&T, there had to be some signature events, whether whether it was bowl games, homecoming. Uh, there was something that made North Carolina A&T stand out for the, from the rest of the HBCUs. What would you say it is? Eho, the greatest <laughs> homecoming on earth. Um, that, that's that's something that that we're very proud of at North Carolina A&T, and we like to say that we have the greatest homecoming on earth. Although there are a lot of great homecomings, but. That was a time and continues to be a time when, you know, the the university, the the, the community of the university always came together in a really, really big way. And so I was proud of that. But, you know, some other moments, man, that were really special to me was I got to see the Funkadelics on campus. I got to see Mother's (laughs) Finest perform on campus. I got to hang out with Roy Ayers who came and performed on campus. I mean, so... You know, those are experiences. Oh, I forgot. And I got to see Earth, Wind and Fire who performed (laughs) on campus. So, you know, you're talking about some great and special moments that were up close and personal. Things I'll never forget. Alexandra, what about at Fisk? Were were there any special events that made Fisk stand out from the rest? Well, homecoming, we have an, um, even though we don't have a football team, we do have an amazing um, homecoming. And the, one of the coolest things about Fisk, with it being a smaller university, if someone was there at the time that you were at Fisk, you know them. Yeah. And so it ends up being a very big family reunion. And so you'll see people that, you know, maybe you haven't seen since graduation or that are in the same city. Yeah. So homecoming. But I would say my second, may I, yeah. is Jubilee Day. And so... Every, if you know about uh, Fisk University, you know the story of the Jubilee Singers and how they traveled all over mm-hmm. um, former slaves to save the university at a time early on in the early on what like ni- 18, 1900s. Yeah. And 
every year alum, they come back for Jubilee Day. It's a really beautiful celebration. And I remember my first time attending Jubilee Day, the convocation we have, which is the ceremony, but we traveled to the Jubilee Singers' graves around Nashville, mm. and we gathered these maple leaves. And so think about it, this is 1997, or at that time when I was a freshman, and you're at celebrating your ancestors, right? The people that paved the way for Fisk to be what it is today. And so homecoming and, and Jubilee Day are my top two. What about you, Marla? Yeah, so um, homecoming is always a great time. I mean, it, it just brings back all of the alum and the students and just, just that intermingling. I, I think that's um, one a great event that we have that, we, that it's, um, it's, it's called Be Out Day. Uh -huh. And it happens in the spring and it's just a day where you know, the, the faculty know, the students know, everybody's just outside. It's just an opportunity just to kind of get a release, right? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. school is stressful, school is tough. And so kind of right in that springtime when people are like really feeling it, leading up to finals, we have this day where everybody's out and we're playing games. Students are out there, faculty out there, we have concerts and it's just a day where everybody's just out and we just kind of, everybody is, Skipping class, but it's yeah. a, it's an accepted day, right? <laughs> right. So, so it, it's really it's just a great second time. time you mentioned skipping uh, class. Yeah, that is. That is. <laughs> we go to we go to class at this. Well, we do that. We do that at Florida A&M too. But we we're balance, balance. Right. I will say another thing that I, I will say that is memorable for me also at FAMU is was the activism that we got in, mm. that we engaged in at yeah. that time. Florida was dealing with a lot in terms of the. The, the politics around funding public education and funding higher ed. Yeah. And so they were really looking at putting FAMU somewhere that, that we, weren't, we weren't happy about. And just getting that sense of activism that I really hadn't had an opportunity to engage with there and, and being there amongst other folks and feeling that sense of like we can do something about yeah. what we don't like. And I got that from FAMU and yeah. that's something and we did that more than once. And so activism is also something that I really, I really remember as a, something I, that was a, a great moment, but also yeah. something that I, was really yeah. important for me. Hey, John, so tell me about uh, what you currently do at ESPN and talk to me about how um, North Carolina A&T helped prepare you for where you are today. Wow, man, that is such a great question. L let me start with North Carolina A&T first, because the most poignant moment I had there was um, I had a professor named professor his name was John Morris and Professor Morris taught two classes strength of materials and, in, and industrial design engineering design and I you had to take those classes by him to get to graduate um, I made them I, I won't call it a mistake he said it was a mistake um, <laughs> I remember going to class one morning, eight o'clock class. He goes through the roster, calls the names, et cetera. And that's in my strength of materials class. One o'clock, I go back to class under him. And this is the industrial design class. He goes through the roster. He calls the names. He said, John Grant, he stopped. Mr. Grant, raise your hand. I did. He said, weren't you in my class this morning? Yes, sir. Well, you need to drop. No one takes two classes under me uh, in the same semester. But I had to have them. Yeah. And I was like, no, sir. Let me tell you, though, it was the toughest semester I ever <laughs> had. Um, um, those you, We all know you go to college, you have some fun days. I didn't have any that day, that, that semester. <laughs> I was successful in passing those classes. But at the end of the semester, he called me into his office. Never forget this, um, Dean. He said, you know, Mr. Grant, I want you to know I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of you because most people, when I told them to drop, would do that. And you didn't. And that became a, a test 
from me to you to just see what you would do. And, um, and that is the, the pivotal moment in my life that shaped everything I did from that point forward. He tested me, but it also it tested myself to know what I was capable of doing, yeah. um, even when someone challenged me not to. So today, um, this my career led me to, and I, I told a young lady yesterday, you know, I've only ever looked for one job in my career, and that was the first one. Yeah. After that, I was I was sought after for every career move that I made beyond that. So being at ESPN was because ESPN came and sought me out. Uh, so today, I run um, the net the ESPN's own properties. We own two major HBCU, the largest actually two HBCU properties from a total live audience. The, the Cricket Celebration Bowl, uh, which is the national championship for HBCUs. We have some uh, almost 3 million when you look at total live audience viewers and in attendance. And I also run the Cricket Miak Swag Challenge kickoff, which opens the college football season in Atlanta. Um, last year, we had Alcorn State and North Carolina Central. This year, we have Howard and um, Howard and Alabama State will be opening college football in week zero in Atlanta. Both of those games are broadcast live, one on ABC, the Celebration Bowl. The cricket uh, kickoff game will be on ESPN on August the 27th, and we're really excited about both of those. So it gives me an opportunity to really do something significant that – that places and invests a lot of money back into HBCUs. And I've been with ESPN since 2015. And in that period of time, you know, the properties that I've run have contributed uh, over $30 million back to HBCUs. And we're really proud of that. Wow, that's great. So, Alexandra, talk to me about your current uh, career and how FISC helped prepare you for it. Yeah, so... One of the things that an HBCU does for you, or at least did for me, is it prepares you to walk into any room, right, and be your authentic self and also represent yourself as the amazing person that you are. Um, when I was, uh, and we didn't talk a lot about academics, right? We talk about homecoming and things like that, but the academics at Fisk were very rigorous. I was a finance major, and I remember us staying up late uh, making sure that we can pass these exams and, and do all the things we needed to do. And so apart from the academics, it's also the culture, right? Being on a campus of an HBCU, you are literally where your ancestors were, right? And you get to learn about that rich history. So you walk away knowing what it is to be a proud black woman or a proud black man in the United States of America, right? And that, that knowing your history it gives you the confidence, right, to match with the academic, the rigorous academics, right, that give you a skill set. So I've been out of college about 20 years now, and it has prepared me to be a professional speaker, yeah. uh, to be a professional coach, and also to lead housing and financial inclusion for one of the nation's oldest, oldest nonprofits, which is YWCA Chicago. So I oversee our programs to make sure that more black and brown people can purchase a home, yeah. that they can repair their credit, and actually, we have a goal to get 1,000 new homeowners by the year 2025. Wow, amazing. So Marla, I'm gonna ask you a slightly different question. Sure. Because you've had the experience of going to a PWI as well as an HBCU. Mm -hmm. Just talk to me about the difference in those experiences. Yeah, I think that um, what you get at HBCU is, as I mentioned before, you get community. You get those that 
the people who are at the university are invested in the students. And not to say that they're not at a PWI, but it feels different. I felt like um, mm -hmm. Marlon Cummings at FAMU, at these other spaces. I didn't quite feel like that. I just felt like a, another student, a graduate student, somebody that they had to help and support get through, but not as an individual. And I feel right. like at, uh, at a HBCU, you get the sense of they care about me, my individual learning, and my success, right? right? And I think that where FAMU really supported me and prepared was really around leadership, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that you are prepared to be a leader, we have equipped you with the knowledge, the skills, and the foundation yes. to go and do the things that you need to do. It doesn't mean that you'll always be perfect, doesn't mean that it'll always go well, but you have the resolve and the grit yeah. to, to see yourself through to whatever goal you have you set for yourself. And so I think that that foundation at an HBCU gave me the ability to go to these other spaces and feel like, this is where I went, and I'm proud to have yeah. come from an HBCU and say it proudly. And they're like, oh, we don't know about that. So then I get to educate others about right. the greatness that right. HBCUs have yes. and what they provide for students that go there. Hey, John, take about a minute and tell the viewers why they should go to North Carolina A&T. Because it's one of the greatest educational experiences that one can get. You know, North Carolina A&T graduates uh, more African-American engineers than any other school in the nation. Uh, and so it's just the, all the things you heard before. I think it's just a great community. Um, it's a great culture there. It's a place where you will feel like you belong, where you belong. And let me brag a little bit. It's currently the largest HBCU in the country. <laughs> Alexandra, why Fisk? Why not Fisk? Okay. Uh, Fisk is one of, it, it, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it compares in size to uh, other HBCUs, but it Fisk is a very unique place. Um, by it being one of the smaller universities. And when I was there, it was a 12 to one student teacher ratio, right? So you get to know your professors and they get to know you and they're able to aid in your development. Um, and also think about when you're applying for programs, right? They're not doing some script. They're right. able to say that I can vouch for Alexandria because I know her and I can coach and I know her and I've coached her. So it's the best for someone who is looking for a small uh, but rigorous environment. Our science programs are unmatched. The business program where I graduated from is amazing. So why not Fisk? Marlon, take about a minute and tell us why should we send our kids to Florida A&M down there with the Rattlers? Uh, right. <laughs> I think that what you get again, even the, the, with the size, I remember there are people and individuals there that I can that I still friends with on Facebook who supported me through my experience. And so even while you have the, the largeness of the university, you still get that sense of community. I can find my place. I can find those that, that care about me. But in addition to that, our programs, whether it be the five-year business program, the engineering program, um, in any of the, uh, the, the, the pharmacy program, the six-year pharmacy program, there's just a diversity of programming there that is top-notch, and not just in comparison to HBCUs, but in comparison to the PWIs and other spaces. So when you look at Florida A&M and its programs, it, it ranks at or above any of the other programs out there. So when you're looking at a high-quality university, Florida A&M provides that, and not only do you get the high-quality education, but you also get the, the community, the sense, the, the support that you, that you would want from it, from yeah. uh, uh, being any student at any school. Absolutely. Uh, and can I add one more thing? Sure. You, honey, and, uh, you know I have to side with him, uh, but one, one thing that you said that uh, it made me think about how um, 
going to an HBCU does not limit you as far as your professional opportunities. Uh, we have friends that did not go to HBCUs and we show up in the same places and spaces as them, right? And so I don't want anyone to ever believe that attending an HBCU uh, makes you less competitive. I think it makes you as competitive or more because you're starting out on the right footing and being built built up and you can conquer anything. And it's a better deal, right, for your money. Historically, black colleges and universities tend to have a lower tuition. So that means when you go out and you get that amazing job that you have prepared for for four years, you'll end up uh, spending more of your income on student loans and you can begin yep. to build wealth. So Absolutely. academically, um, it prepares you spiritually, the culture, and you're competitive, right? Absolutely. Hey, I don't disagree, <laughs> but I do want to say this. Uh, the three of you all have uh, been committed to advancing the causes of historically black colleges and universities. Your success in your professional and personal lives has helped shine the spotlight on the many, many success stories that exist uh, within these institutions and programs that they have. And so for your commitment to advancing the causes of historically black colleges and universities, I want to award each one of you, and John, I have yours here with me, uh, each one of you with the HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award. And to Thank the you. ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, yes. and obviously my frat, Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Yes. We're glad to have you here, John. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. And to my viewers, thank you for watching. And remember, without you, there's no me.